0: Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 115, and today we are going to be talking about Dawn Equipment. Before we dive into the show, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. You can subscribe to the show on the many different podcasting apps that we're streaming this out to, such as Apple's podcast app. It's on Stitcher, Overcast, SoundCloud, as well as many others. While you're out there, drop us a review. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Lastly, make sure to follow RDO Equipment Company on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and catch our latest videos on YouTube. You can also follow me on Twitter at RDO Now with that, let's get into the show. I'm really excited to welcome Joe Bassett, who is the president and CEO of Dawn Equipment. Thanks for joining me on the show today, Joe. To get started, let's just hear a little bit more about your background and how you got involved in this industry.
1: Great yeah, thanks for having me on, Tony. I'm uh, the president and CEO of Don Equipment. I am 39 years old. I'm about to hit 40 and I come from a, uh, a background which is really a design background. Um, I have always viewed myself as a product designer and an inventor and I Don Equipment is a, a vehicle that thankfully allows me to continue to invent uh, over the years. I actually come from uh, originally from a background in physics as a college student and have always been interested in manufacturing and mechanical design going back my, you know, to the, as long as I can remember even. And as a child, there was a point in my life when I kind of had to decide whether I was going to go into the physical sciences and take a background in computing or join the, the family business. And That would have been in 2003 and at that time it really didn't look like um you you wouldn't have put money on don equipment even being around uh now 15 16 years later at that time but it's one thing has led to another and here we are today you know the company actually dates originally to 1991 uh, well, I would have been 11 years old, 1991, when Don was founded uh, by my father and two partners. Um, for people that don't know the history of the company, and uh, my father actually met uh, a gentleman named uh, Steve Faber at uh, the church we went to when I was a kid, and they kind of got to talking. And you know, my father had had is a mechanical engineer, and he had been had a long background in off highway equipment. He'd worked for. American hoist, designing cranes. He'd worked at, uh, the Toro company when we lived in Minnesota designing, you know, golf course mowing equipment. What originally brought us to Northern Illinois was, uh, there were, there used to be a company that called Barbara Green that made, uh, asphalt paving equipment that was later acquired by Caterpillar and he had been designing then. And, you know, I remember this was, this was right at the time when, you know, glyphosate had just kind of come out and, and, you know, it was the end of the ridge till era and the beginning of the no-till era. And because all of a sudden you could control weeds and it made no-till much more viable. Uh, actually, the first co- product the company made was called the T-Knife. Um, it was a ridge till product, which would, uh, you'd run it between the rows and then it would inject ammonia uh, uh, directly underneath these ridges. Uh, I think after that came the tooth wheel row cleaner, you know, originally, you um, Uh, the patent holder of the tooth wheel row cleaner that everyone are ubiquitous today was invented by the Kentucky farmer Howard Martin and you you know his company is still around today and he sold his patent to John Deere and for whatever reason Deere and company at that time decided we're not going to be in the attachment business and they're going to go and turn around and license this tooth wheel road cleaner design out to different companies. And so there were a few companies that, that, that ended up doing that ourselves. And so that's, that's really where when we started making the the road cleaners and we always, our hallmark was always the forged toothed wheel. Traditionally, a lot of our components are made by forging, which uh, I'm sure everybody's aware of, but it, it's the way you make a really strong component like a, a connecting rod or a lot of crankshafts or different types of pistons and different things where you're, you're heating the steel to around 2000 degrees and you're hammering it. So one of our tooth wheel road cleaners that so many of your listeners will be aware of, it actually starts life as about a two inch diameter by eight inch long bar of steel. And it's an incredibly tough material and they actually strike it with 80 tons of force about six times to, to pancake it and make it into a tooth wheel. And you know, we, uh, Canted the the system of of producing the forged tooth wheel row cleaner that that basically aligns the grain structure in the teeth and makes them so so strong and resistant to bending, which is why we've always done so well in parts of the country where you're going to hit a lot of rocks and and so on and so forth. Uh, interestingly, also Steve, who was Jim, my father's uh, co-founder. He, he was the original inventor of the yield monitor. It's a convoluted history uh, around the invention of the yield monitor, but it's arguably the case that the yield monitor was actually invented at dawn. We turned around and I, we actually licensed it to a company called Microtrack and there was uh, an intellectual property dispute around the yield monitor and so on and so forth. But that's an interesting you know, tidbit from our history. And then in the, you know, things went really, really fast. I mean, with the row cleaner sales, it was very rapid early growth in the company. You know, Jim kind of looked at the planter and said, look, we could just make a much better one. These, are, these aren't very well made. Let's try and make a whole planter and design this really, really unique planter design, which still, still would be a contemporary planter even today in the mid-90s called the Paradigm 9000 planter. It was the first high-speed planter. It had hydraulic down pressure on the row units. It had central fill seed. It had central fill fertilizer. Uh, you could raise and lower the, the dry fertilizer openers. You could plant at eight, nine miles an hour. He had actually used this positive air pressure seed delivery system from this Danish company called Kinskilda, which is is still around today, but they're not really making planters. The meter was actually up on the frame and then it under, you know, pretty high positive air pressure, it would shoot the seed down to the ground. And then you'd have a firming wheel, which would would tuck the seed, decelerate it, and tuck the seed into the ground. So it would have resembled things that you would see from like the Vaderstadt uh, planter. And there's a few other makes that would use that sort of concept today. At that time, we didn't really do that much in-house manufacturing. You know, the company shrank down uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s. And, but there was always that core value proposition. We always had the 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 planter attachments the closing wheels that sold and there was always a market for those and continued to kind of sell and and carry the company through and you know there were about four people working at Don Equipment when I joined the company in 2003 you know that was the that was the first era of the company but many many people will remember my father from that era he was famous on the farm show circuit I still, to this day, he's been retired for like seven years, and I still, to this day, get customers a call and everybody asks how Jim was and what's he up to and so on and so forth. It's just a, a very brief sort of rundown of the history of the company.
0: That is a really cool kind of history lesson there on uh, Don Equipment. There's a lot of things there that I myself didn't know. Um, it It's really neat to hear that stuff and to have that uh that long history and that deep history within agriculture and what you and your family have created. A couple of the things you touched on is, is some planter stuff. And I know, um, now you guys are, are very deeply ingrained with, uh, uh, implementing, uh, technology onto planters. You're doing some really cool things. And those are just a few of the, the components that I want to touch on here, uh, in this episode, uh, you had talked about the row cleaners and, uh, how you guys are forging them. You, you actually have not, not just the row cleaner, the wheel itself, but you guys also have systems to go on that. Tell us just a, a little bit about the GFX P and the standard GFX, uh, row cleaner systems around
1: 2006 the db planters started coming around and you had the bigger you know you started seeing the 24 row 36 row the really large planters and we'd always kind of we always had the screw adjustment on our rope cleaners, and everyone else had the pins and we were kind of known as the easy adjustment you'd go out to visit the customers and you look at the logistics of stopping a planter to adjust 36 of those knobs, and it just started not making very much sense. I had this idea that, well, let's make a remotely controllable row cleaner. The first ones were actually, we did what seemed obvious at the time. We, we, it was a screw adjustment. We stuck a, an electric motor on it, got not too far into it and realized, look, this doesn't make very much sense, and um, decided to abandon the idea. However, you know, some of our competitors actually, you know, followed us down that road, which is funny, which is why you should never copy anything, because a lot of times you can copy mistakes at the same time. We said, okay, well, instead of making a depth control rigid road cleaner, let's make a pressure control floating road cleaner. And you looked at the whole thing and you said, well, because of the dynamics of the planter, we we definitely want it to be controllable. And that's where we went in with the trailing arm. So that's the hallmark of those row cleaners to this day is the fact that it's a trailing arm as opposed to being pushed because it naturally makes it more controllable and easy to modulate when the row cleaner's being pulled as opposed to pushed because the push ones want to dig themselves in. And so it, it's just kind of unstable, whereas as it's being pulled, we can create much more precise control over the pressure on that row cleaner. The very first units we made in 2007 they would have been sold out of what at that time I believe was the, w- would have been called Spink County in South Dakota, which now would have been the the Redfield, South Dakota RDO location. And those would have gone to a, uh, a guy named Terry, who's kind of by Falkton, South Dakota. And uh, the I remember, you know, the arms were forged uh, also. And I remember the first installing that first setup, up there i would have been only you know 26 27 at the time and of course i thought i knew absolutely everything and going up there and installing those on terry's planner things look good and we put them on there and and he's planting and and get back in the truck and you know when you're in my line of work you never like leaving the field is always dicey when you're, when you're running like something for the first time, because, you know, a lot of times it's typically right. As you like leave that something's going to go wrong. (laughs) And, uh, uh, so nothing ever goes wrong when you're there. It's only when you, when you leave. And so we got to about, uh, central Minnesota and I get a call from Terry and he says, Oh, all the arms are breaking. And I'm like, Oh, kill me now, you know, because these forged wishbone arms on that unit, they were just, 10 percent too light so you'd plant like a thousand acres and then they would break and so you know we welded on them and whatever got through that first season and uh beefed it all up and that unit has become essentially bulletproof but one of the things that it also did to us is we we started making hydraulic cylinders and you know we thought well how are we going to control this well We want it to be very direct and precise control and fast. So, so we went with hydraulics and we want it to be as simple as possible. So it has a spring retracted, single acting. And so I actually designed that hydraulic cylinder, knowing just nothing at the time about how to make these. And, you know, we started building our machine shop and we actually make these hydraulic cylinders in-house in the machine shop here. And, uh, but it started us on a course of making compact hydraulics which has become a, a fairly substantial part of our business to this day. Uh, most most companies that make implements and things like that, they, they don't actually make their own hydraulics, which is pretty unique. We are quite good at making high-precision small things in the machine shop. So that started, you know, the GFX row cleaner started us on a path of making hydraulics, and that unit continues. I don't know that that unit has even peaked in sales today. It's so it's I, it's arguably one of the few planter attachments you can put on your planter that retains vet, resale value. Normally, a lot of the planter stuff, that, like you know, that people put on and you know, widget after widget, that it it which has now become pretty expensive. Right? Customer goes in to buy a planter, they want to put all this aftermarket stuff on. You're taking an already expensive planter, you could put another fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars into it. Sometimes in aftermarket stuff well you turn around a few years later and you got to sell it what's the aftermarket stuff worth a lot of times not a whole heck of a lot and if the dealer like you guys has to uninstall it well then it's even worse so it it, it it's so reliable that the first units that we produced in 2007 are still in use today and we warranty those hydraulic cylinders for five years at this point and uh, it, there's no metal on metal contact anywhere on that unit. It uses these synthetic uh, Kevlar filament wound bushings throughout it. And it's just a, it's just a really, really bulletproof, well-loved product. But that, that's what really got us into the down pressure was the, the row cleaners.
0: And that uh that leads me right into the next question, moving back a little bit onto the planter, downforce. You guys have the the reflex system. Let's jump right into that and talk to our listeners a little bit about the downforce Don offers.
1: Things really started going with the hydraulic road cleaners, I would say two thousand nine, two thousand ten. And then you start looking at it and, and there was the air down pressure systems uh at that time and we just made the logical conclusion, wait, if one thing is going to end up being remotely adjustable, well, then basically everything on the planter will become remotely adjustable. So we'll start making uh, hydraulic cylinders for the down pressure. And that put us on a path, a, a journey of discovery that that ended up going a, a fair ways. We came out with a really, really funky initial cylinder that originally was designed to replace the airbag on the deer XP row unit. So you, it would just fit in the same space and you would just take the same brackets and stick it in there. That was our first pass at it. That kind of suffered from, from some design problems because it didn't really self align that well. We were trying to make it too convenient and solving for the wrong problem there. And then after that, the next generation came with the RFX product line, which if you fast forward, you know, years and years later, eventually becomes what is now the Deer IRHD system with massive, massive, massive evolution and improvements in quality and just the overall reliability of that system. Deer IRHD system actually dates to designs that go back to around 2013, 2014. And we said, look, okay, what's what's next? Well, what's next is Basically, we want to make a next generation system with a next generation control technology that adds the uplift control feature and also uses this new digital control where every hydraulic down pressure system on the market, whether it's the IRHD unit that we make, whether it's the precision planting products, whether it's the egg leader products, there may be others, I'm not even sure, they all use what's called a reducing relieving control, so they're using a pressure control valve. The units that we make have a number of patented features, like the integration of the gas pressure vessel, the accumulator inside of them, and also the integration of the direct pressure sensor. Uh, just so, just to highlight some some differences. So those those are core pieces of intellectual property that differentiate the um, RFX or the Dear IRHD system from some competitors, where you're using the electrical current that you're sending to the valve from the controller as a measure of what the pressure is. Well, in the real world, the valve response to an electrical signal may or may not be exactly representative of of what the true uh, pressure is. So having that sensor there allows you to have diagnostic functionality that you can't have in any other way. And the integration of those accumulators Uh, basically give the system some sponginess, right? So as you're going through the field, a a planter is actually bouncing with kind of high frequency. You know, the soil is not actually as smooth. Farmers a lot, so often have this idea that the soil is smoother than it is. And uh, the control systems are seeing every little bump and every little sort of thing that, that the planter row unit runs over as you go through the field. Accumulator gives it a little bit of just sponge a little springiness so that it can absorb some of the up and down noise in the field without shifting the spool so these proportional pressure control systems the way they work is you've got a a coil which runs electrical current through it and then it has a piece of iron that's in the coil that's called the armature so when you energize the coil it pushes on the iron the armature and that's what actuates the valve and then the armature pushes on what's called the spool, right? And the spool is the cylinder that's inside of a female cylinder. And the female cylinder has holes that either let oil in from the pressure supply or let oil out to the return. And you have this little cylinder that's basically moving up and down inside of the outside part of the cylinder in order to control the pressure. And that's called a, a pressure the, these, the valves that are used in these systems are called reducing relieving valves because you can either take a high pressure from the tractor and reduce it to a lower pressure, or you can take a high pressure in the cylinder and relieve it back to the tractor in order to reduce the pressure in the cylinder. So it's a pressure control valve. These these types of valves, which are pervasive on every product on the market, in one sense, it's the state of the art, but that little spool goes across I'm, I'm going to go in way into the weeds for your listeners right now, okay? So, when you cross between the reducing phase of the valve, when you're taking high pressure from the tractor and decreasing that pressure to the down pressure cylinder, that's called the reducing phase, and then you have the relieving phase, which is when you have high pressure at the cylinder and you're relieving that high pressure to go back to the tractor to tank. And when you cross over between the reducing and the relieving phases of the valve, you have, that's called the dead band. That's this neutral area. So you're constantly hovering back and forth across the dead band of the valve. You're going reducing, relieving, reducing, relieving. And especially on some of the other products in the market where you don't have that accumulator there, every bit of movement of the parallel arm up and down causes you to switch back and forth between reducing relieving, reducing relieving, reducing relieving. It's really, really complex, but that produces not an easy type of hydraulic control to, to make stable, right? To, to remove hydraulic noise, because you want the system to be as fast acting as possible, but you also want it to be hydraulically a, as stable as possible. Because all of the systems on the market have the strain gauge, the sensor for the, the downforce is on the gauge wheels. As you move forward, the faster you go, the the point you're reacting to with the control system keeps getting further behind where you actually are, the faster you go. Another interesting tech tidbit is that our first down pressure control concepts, if you look at our intellectual property history, was actually a system called foresight. It actually had a ground hardness sensor mounted up ahead of the planter row unit in order to combat this problem. And the ground hardness sensor, all of this stuff will come back full circle. I'll, I'll connect it back later. The way the ground hardness s- sensor worked was there was a disc blade with down pressure running right on the center of the row. And then it had a gauge wheel running next to it. We would measure the distance between the disc blade and the gauge wheel because in softer ground, the disc blade would go deeper. And in harder ground, it would go shallower. So the relative distance between the disc blade. And the gauge wheel became a measure of how compacted or how hard the soil is. And so our initial systems actually, that we came out with, when you're talking about the sort of 2012 timeframe, actually had that sensor out in front of the planter row unit. And then you would adjust based on the forward speed so that the planter row unit was, in fact, you know, reacting exactly to the soil that's directly underneath it at the time. That, about that same time is, is right around when I met the first person I ever met in business development at, at John Deere. They gave me some sage advice, which is that, look, this product will never will always be too expensive and it won't really fit. There's it's, it's a good idea, but you have to make something lower cost that can actually be fit on the planters and be easily deployed and sold to end users. And so we pivoted. Uh, into a control system that used the strain gauge uh, on the planter gauge wheels, which was analogous to other products that were on the market and uh, had a much better product market fit and, and business case because it could be made for so much lower cost. And it would, also, it would also fit into the product hierarchy a lot better. We started off like, okay, what are we going to do for control? Are we going to we, – because we knew nothing. All right, now this product with the, the down pressure cylinder becomes the first really computer-controlled product we've ever made. And we knew essentially nothing about making electronic products before that. And so we thought, okay, we'll make a control system that looks like other things on the mobile and off-highway market, uses these kind of canvas displays and so on and so forth. It didn't work out very well. Around that time is when I met some guys from Chicago who had this startup called 640 labs, and they were it, making this play where they were making this ISO bus can bus to Bluetooth mobile connectivity adapter where they were going to, like a lot of other companies have tried, they're going to grab machine data and put it into the cloud and make it easy for customers to aggregate their, their farm data. Right. And so these guys, had some some great software developers i was i saw their thing and i was like well we could just make a tablet controller which would connect by bluetooth to the to the can bus and then control our units that way they integrated a mapping application and so on and so forth and then that company 640 labs became the product which is now the field view drive and they sold to climate corp and we're like okay well i guess uh You know, because we're trying to at this time, like precision planting had just sold to to whatever to Monsanto for a quarter billion dollars. And it's like, well, maybe there's like money in what we're doing. And it it didn't seem obvious that we would become a precision agriculture company, because, again, we were making screw adjust row cleaners like a couple of years before that. And we'd still make them today. Uh, And we're like, well, maybe we'll just start going on a path that positions us as a company that starts looking more like a precision egg company you have to be really naive because if you're not naive you would never do it because you you have to kind of be that that's my everyday superpower is the ability to underestimate how difficult things are
0: We are going to pause this episode where we're at right here, and we will pick back up again in two weeks with Joe to finish off the story of Dawn Equipment and all of the technology and tools that they have to offer. Visit rdoequipment.com backslash podcast to listen to new episodes and catch up on any that you have missed. You can also listen and subscribe to our podcast on any device or streaming service.